Welcome, friends, to the Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Wish we were coming to you under more positive circumstances, but it seems yet again as Star Trek Discovery preps for another season controversy on the bridge. Yes, we'll start with some of that news. Then Pete will we'll go for a little uplift on this, the, the anniversary season for Star Trek. But Pete, let's start with that story that broke first, that of uh, author Walter Mosley. I am not often stunned, but Matt had texted me this story uh, in the Hollywood Reporter late Friday night. I read it later Friday night, um, not through Matt. I saw it elsewhere on Facebook and then went to send it to him. And what do you know, I had already been sent it and was just gobsmacked by the nature of this story, leaving Star Trek out of it. And then when you look at it through the lens of Star Trek, it becomes all the more baffling. Well, I guess to bring people up to speed, the story broke that uh, novelist Walter Mosley, who also has worked in uh, film and television in a couple different ways, including uh, writer and producer on Snowfall, and then had joined the Discovery Season 3 writer's room, uh, he had left that position after, uh, I guess, Pete, the chronology is this. He had... Uh, used the N-word while in the writer's room. Uh, from his telling, it was it was uh, you know recounting comments made to him in the past as a black man, and he was just kind of sharing that perspective. Uh, and then a, a complaint was made to the HR department, who then reached out to him and kind of said, you know, here's what you can and can't say um, in the writer's room. And he took, I guess he took offense to the fact that it was done, that the complaint was done through HR and then also, I guess, took offense as a man of color that he was being told, you know, what this, what this incendiary word, uh, or I guess when this word could or could not be said, particularly by him, um, particularly in a story where he was recounting a past event and he then quit, although did not tell anybody, just kind of stopped, stopped going back to work. It's a really, really upsetting story. Um, I think every way around. But when you consider the idea, this is a 67-year-old black man who lived through the civil rights uh, revolution and from all uh, understanding was not using the word pejoratively. Um you know, I don't like justifying the use of that word. You know, there's the uh, the age old code. It seems that if you're in the group, you're allowed to use the word. I don't think that justifies it. I do, however, think that if he's to be taken at his word, that he was explaining his experience and this word being part of it. Um, I think this is an overreach. Um, 
I mean, should HR have been involved? I think that's larger. Uh, I think that's more to the culture now that seems to have permeated this show in its in the run up. And as they are filming its third season, I mean, what with two showrunners dismissed through human resources uh, at the beginning of the second season, we're now setting up a pattern. Obviously, a super, super complex situation there. And I think that it's one that, you know, did did the HR person who called him to explain to him what words he can and cannot use while describing uh, racism he, Walter Mosley, has seen uh, perpetrated by the NYPD, relating comments that NYPD officers had made uh, to him, about him in the past. That's not a good situation. It's just, ultimately, it's it's a baffling series of events. Uh, he was brought in uh, directly by Alex Kurtzman, the, uh, brought into the writer's room, that is to say. Uh, apparently, neither Kurtzman nor season three showrunner Michelle Paradise were present when he said it. Uh, and then, as I said, he was not, he was not let go, nor did he, you know, pen a letter of resignation to CBS to a Kurtzman. He just quit by deciding not to show up. And at a certain point, they realized that he was no longer kind of working on the show. Again, it's it's I can see his perspective. I can also see the desire, my goodness, Pete, not just of any Hollywood HR department, but CBS, which, you know, is still or maybe I shouldn't say is still, but CBS, which has worked very hard to turn the HR situation around in the entire company, uh, certainly from the top down and, and all the less Moonviz stuff, let alone some of the Star Trek stuff. You know, it's it's unfortunate that there is this explosive situation. It's unfortunate that this has been the outcome. It's unfortunate that this is the the leading Star Trek story in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and... I think it's an overall loss for everybody involved. This is a man who's written over 40 books, who is a New York uh, writer's Hall of Famer, um, who has a tremendous uh, and you know important backlog of work, uh, no doubt brought in in part because of his perspective in part because of the work that he's done. I mean, he's most notably known for his uh, detective novels, but you could easily see where the uh, newest character to the cast, uh, a black man uh, would have the perspective that he could draw to that other uh, African-American writers in the writer's room could draw from. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a, a really sad situation. Certainly, Pete, I must admit, I did not know the work or the life of Walter Mosley uh, before this story broke. And reading more about him, I mean, one can certainly appreciate that he has a, a valuable and a unique uh, perspective of the world. Um, his mother is Jewish, his father African-American. Uh, they, uh, they tried to marry in 1951 in California where it was technically legal, but no one would give them a marriage license. So, I mean, my goodness, if you want to talk about Walter Mosley's 
you know, perspective of race. There's there's one data point. Here's another one. Uh, he went to City College in Harlem and uh, read The Color Purple. One of his tutors there, the writer Edna O'Brien, said to him, you're black, Jewish, with a poor upbringing. There are riches therein, referring to, you know, that perspective from which he can draw as a writer. Fast forward to all these years later, as you said, Pete, a man 67 years old, and it's it's a loss to Star Trek that his perspective is no longer there in the writer's room. Certainly, though, as you mentioned, Pete, just this really fantastic list of uh, all sorts of uh, novels and plays and nonfiction books, etc., science fiction, young adult works uh, that uh, that can be sampled, all that from the uh, the pen of Walter Mosley. And I, I think it's that perspective that, you know, we're losing uh, through his lack of involvement now or, you know, the abridged uh, version of uh, involvement that he was able to give in a short time there. Um, but again, I worry about this pattern that is now set in, in the writer's room of this show of, you know, human resources. I mean, listen, if, if somebody has, has done something wrong, don't ever hesitate to go to human resources and to take care of that. But that, and maybe he felt he was wronged by somebody even going there rather than bringing it up with him. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to get a little bit more of his perspective. I mean, his article in the New York Times doesn't even name the show that he left. Yeah, I think on the one hand, it's easy to say, you know, it's a shame that there wasn't a dialogue between him and the person or people who went to HR. You know, couldn't they have had that, you know, had that private conversation and worked out their differences? That said, as you mentioned, Pete, this is part of the function of an HR department to say, you know, okay, I hear your complaint. Where does that complaint fall? in terms of our code of conduct, uh, acceptable business practices, and so forth. And, you know, I think Mosley kind of characterized that call from HR, I think, with a bit of a sense of, you know, it's the, the, the HR pipsqueak coming to tell him, you know, about matters of race. Um, and I'm sensitive to that perspective, too. This is one of these situations where it's not, you know, it's it certainly is not a clear cut thing. One just wishes that there was that there was a happier outcome for all involved. Yeah, and I mean, time is going to tell how the show recovers from this. But you know, we have had controversies. I don't think one near as you know attention grabbing as this one. Um, they've been dealt with before. They've dealt with this one. We'll have to see in the long term how this plays out. Well, Pete, let's shift gears to uh, certainly the happier, uh, happier areas of Star Trek. Uh, just in the last couple of days uh, to celebrate the 53rd anniversary of Star Trek, as well as a, uh, a visual and perhaps a tonal relaunch to StarTrek.com. Uh, Alex Kurtzman had some words to say. I think most of it literally is about, hey, changes to StarTrek.com. But uh, Pete, Alex Kurtzman, he's a writer. I think he knew. I think most people reading know that he was talking about Star Trek at large. So let me lay the uh, last little bit of his, uh, his missive on you. Absolutely. 
Not knowing who Jeffrey Combs is doesn't make you any less of a fan than the person who's been with us for 53 years and counting. But if you're interested in learning more about the seven-time guest star, or even just debating his best role with other fans, we've got that story for you. Taking the for-us, bias approach, we're committed to publishing quality Star Trek content for fans by fans. And if you aren't a fan yet, that's okay too. In fact, it's great. I love it when someone says, my partner slash my friend slash my mom was never into Star Trek until your show. Now she's a total geek, because that's the goal. That's Star Trek. It brings people together. So let's move forward together into this amazing, inspiring, ever-growing universe that you've all played such a huge part in building. Thank you all, and welcome home. Happy Star Trek Day, Alex. I can't but think of the current controversy that we're in and what Star Trek stands for and have a little bit of a difficult time with this happy message about 53 years of Star Trek and fan involvement. Pete, I know there was a little chatter online, you know, has this been written as a PR response to the Mosley thing? I mean, certainly I don't know if you're going to relaunch Star Trek.com under the Alex Kurtzman era of leadership, you know, uh, September 8th uh, of this year is the the time of year to do it. If you say, well, why this year, not last year, you know, Kurtzman <laughs> was in a different position in the Star Trek hierarchy this year, uh, this time last year versus this year. So if it's a PR thing, okay, if you're going to battle the Hollywood Reporter deadline in the New York Times with a reintroduction of Star Trek.com on Star Trek.com on a Sunday morning, uh, you know, to me, there's not the black hatted villain there, but you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this type of message would have been timed for this anniversary regardless. But yeah, you can't again not see what they've just gone through. Well, Pete, before we wrap up, would you like some good old-fashioned theorizing prognostication, something that we can all agree on is about one of our fake TV shows and fake characters and fake appearances. Sure. All right. We have a tweet. This is actually from the summer. I've been saving until we had a, a, had a Star Trek podcast suitable to bring this up. Pete, this is a tweet from our pal, Annie Harrington. That's Annie time left time with a Y Pete. Uh, and here's what she had to say regarding the Picard show. Did you guys notice that the Romulans in the Picard trailer have gone back to looking just like Vulcans a la TOS they don't have the TNG era forehead topography. I'd love to hear how the conversation about that decision went. Your thoughts, Pete, on head, brow, gate. <laughs> I mean, everybody got on about the uh, the Klingons two years ago. Um, obviously, a little more under the radar with the Romulans. We'll never fully know unless they come out and tell us if they're not allowed to use previous designs if it has to be just different enough i mean to me you got pointy ears you got pointy ears like how how much does it change past that but again you look at how complex the klingon design was built in and then with the trapdoor of all right there's a sleeper agent and they can turn people into um klingons and and turn them into humans vice versa 
so, all right, they, they've they've gone back a little bit. Let let's see how it affects how it plays out as always in story. Pete, I must confess, I don't know that I ever fully looked through the Discovery era Klingon makeup redesign. I never quite looked through that through the lens of this entire redesign has occurred so that you can completely cover Shazad Latif's face in every capacity. Not so he looks like from the chin down Michael Dorn or looks like in the eyes or whatever it is that it was, you know, was this design all for the Vogue reveal, you know, to a certain degree? And then, you know, as you say, Pete, explain for story reasons, which I accept with you, which you accept, I think, which most people just accept and or don't care about because it's a pretend show. But uh, Pete, you've you've set off, I don't know, inspiration in my brain as we talk Star Trek today. I don't know that it was all for the, the Vogue situation. Like I said, I, I do think... There are some not public. It's got to look enough, different enough. Uh, can't do this, can do that type of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it it's made it its own thing. Yet at the same time, they're the same. Well, Pete, I know that uh, we are feverishly looking towards Star Trek short treks. There being no news on it, I would like to prognosticate that mm, maybe tomorrow there'll be news on it since, you know, we've spoken Star Trek for the, for, for the foreseeable future and today would be a great day to drop it. Heck, Pete, the 53rd anniversary would have been a good time to say, coming October 1st or whatever it might be, but at least as of this recording on uh, September 9th, no news on more short treks yet. We need some positive news apart from, you know, hey, Star Trek's been around 53 years and not at all trying to, uh, you know, give you the, the wool over the eyes after what became public uh, late Friday. Uh, so, yeah, give us... Give us some short tracks. Give us a date on Picard. Um, you know, assure us that this situation was handled correctly for all involved and that this hopeful, optimistic vision of the future uh, is headed in the proper direction. Well, Pete, the direction of both our Star Trek podcasts made possible by the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Our thanks, as always, to them helping keep the SS Fantastic Geek afloat. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to contribute at. It takes just a dollar to get you in the door, and then all the goodies can be yours. Pete, there is a goodie, though, that's outright free how can people talk to you on twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 10,631 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on twitter instagram gmail where we are fantastic geek as well but wait Pete, there's more Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, as soon as there is news about those short treks, we will be sure to share that. Until then, I will say adios to all of the listeners and give you the final word. Bye-bye.